Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got another question. 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, which decade do you love the most and why? Eric's shaking his head right now. Is that in? I'm shaking my head because we started with the 60s. None <laughs> of us were alive in the 60s. Well, I guess the the criteria. Oh, here I go. I, I, oh, I'm here we go. Right? It's so, that monoxide. So the monoxide <laughs> mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still muddled. Um, the uh, that's a reference from last episode, yes. by the way. Yes. Um, so the the criteria you're using it's is it like which one did you enjoy living in or is it like the culture of it like because i'm mostly thinking about the music of these times like like you're thinking music yeah well it's i guess it would be more cultural things like the movies the yeah you know the the clothing the mu the the music because right now like people who are who like look back to the the 90s and they're like oh the 90s were great like a lot you know it's not just the people who lived in the 90s they're just like grabbing the aesthetic of it and and enjoying that so Mm -hmm. i don't know i look back and i actually I was thinking of picking the 60s because the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and like there's like so much music that I love that came out of the 60s that that would be exciting to me. And wasn't wasn't the uh, wasn't the moon landing was that in the 60s? 69. Yeah. So like there's like these these things that happen. That I'm like, oh, in retrospect, it would be cool to witness those things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's not a good criteria. And if I lived there, maybe I wouldn't have been excited. But the 60s music was also the decade of free love. Well, I'm not saying I'm and going back for that. Since we're about to read a text today about oh boy. divorce and marriage. Oh boy, wow. You, you may want to avoid the 60s. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Eric, how about you? You got one yet? Hey, you know what I'm going to say, Nikki. What what decade am I going to pick? The 90s. No, not the 90s. <laughs> we're, we're, no. we're the 90s kids. We yeah. Should. No, no, that's true. That's no. true. I, I have to pick the 80s. 80s yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just so many fun memories. Arcades and roller rinks and... No parental supervision. No, yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh, just everything, everything about it is fun. Even when you listen to '80s music, it is terrible and super fun all at the same this time. Is true. Right. So I actually this morning when I was working out, I have a I have a normal playlist that I use. I created a Spotify playlist called the Happiest Playlist Ever, and it's my workout <laughs> playlist. Um, but today. I looked up on Spotify 80s workout. And so oh, all of the music when this morning when I was working out was all upbeat 80s music. Oh, that's great. It's good times. Yeah. 80s. 80s. Nikki. Right. I would pick the 90s. Um that was that was the that was my childhood. And so I was thinking why um mixed tapes? Like I mean like <laughs> like mixed cassette tapes, like when you used to like oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to catch it on the radio. Like hit record. It, I would sit in front of my... Ra- yeah, Gen Z doesn't understand no. hitting play and record at the same time. No, or even like like recording TV shows on your VCR that like you would want to want to like rewatch over <laughs> and over you, again. Ninja Turtles. That was, yep, exactly. Um, ice cream trucks. We don't see ice cream trucks a oh, lot. Oh, we got ice cream trucks. Well, not in my area. Okay, <laughs> I am I am like missing ice cream trucks. I did hear one in the neighborhood like last week and I was like, is that an ice cream truck? So ice cream trucks. Okay, for all of you that own ice cream trucks out there, Nikki lives in South Elgin. 
So you need to start patrolling the South Elgin <laughs> area go. because apparently there's a market there that has not yet it, been it's penetrated. It's just not being met. Um, four-wheeling, Nintendo, Sega, uh, skateboarding, like summertime as a kid. Was you just, can four-wheel uh, in any decade. Yeah, what is this? No, but you that can't was just when grab I did random it. things and say they're from <laughs> no, a certain decade. that was when I did it. That's what I'm saying. Pizza. Like The 90s was amazing. But out of everything, mixtapes, man, I missed mixtapes it does it does make you appreciate the mix that you have like when you make a playlist on spotify yeah. or whatever it doesn't quite feel like you crafted it, it in the same way that the like work of a mixtape and when you like hand somebody it's like yeah. hey, i'll share my playlist with you it was different no it's like love this friendship i'm gonna hand this you is... this mixtape oh yeah absolutely 90s for me all right clayton what are we talking <laughs> about today um well first uh, i do want to say we've got something coming up so on the weekend of August 26th and 27th, oh, yes. we are going to be doing a live episode of the podcast mm-hmm. on stage at Christ Community Church during the services. So uh, if you are a listener and you love being a part of this, we want you out there, be in the crowd, make a lot of noise. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, so don't miss that. Can I extend a special invitation to yes. a certain group of people that are listening? There are some of you that enjoy the podcast and you've never come to our church. And we would love for yes. you to join us. So if you appreciate the podcast, or if you're just wondering, what do these three knuckleheads look like in person? <laughs> Come and join us. We'll be recording a live podcast during a weekend church service, and we would love to meet you. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right. So we are going to be in Matthew chapter 19. So a little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus has a lot of teaching in the book of Matthew. The big one at the beginning we talked a lot about was the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will give a kind of short, quick, pithy kind of approach to something, you know, don't hate people, don't, you know, love your enemies, forgive, that sort of thing. But then you'll find later in the book of Matthew, there's a section where he teaches a more extended thing on that topic. So you get a little bit on forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount, you get a fuller teaching on forgiveness later. You get uh, hypocrisy mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, you get a fuller thing here. This is one where we've got, there was a mention of divorce and some kind of like pithy little explanation. And this is the the chapter where he unpacks that and there's a conversation uh, about that. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1 and go through verse 12. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who chose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. 
All right. Let's talk about O, which stands for observations. What do you guys see here? Uh, I see that I was totally tracking with the logic until he started talking about Unix. <laughs> Should yes, we sir. talk about Unix a little? You can. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, when we get the message, we can. Or... <laughs> um, uh, I'm I'm seeing uh, again that the the large crowds are still continuing to follow him. He's still continuing to heal people. Um, Jesus is still going about his mission full force. There's nothing stopping him. And then all of a sudden, the Pharisees come to test him. They're coming to test him to throw him off his game. He's got large crowds there, and they're trying to get him to say something. Uh, that people aren't going to like, perhaps. Yeah, I noticed in verse 3, their question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Which, um, if you look at the footnote in your study Bible, is a very specific kind of question. So first of all, it's kind of outlandish. There's a little bit of like, is there any limit on divorce? Can can men just do whatever they want? Um, But there was actually a debate going on among Jewish rabbis. So uh, the footnote will probably explain this, but there was a debate between one school of people that said, you know, the permission that uh, God gives for divorce in uh, Deuteronomy, like in the Pentateuch that Moses said, um, the the conditions on that are pretty wide open. Basically, anything that uh, a wife would do that would displease her husband, that's enough to get a divorce. It's kind of in his power. Others would say, no, the, the offense there is if she cheats on him. And that would be the only condition. And so they're really saying, where do you side on this debate? Which, which you know, there's, there may even be Pharisees among them that disagree with each other and he's they're saying hey which which you know side of our fight are you getting in on yeah and just to point out here in the niv study bible which is a study bible that we recommend quite often the study notes at the bottom of the page do a very good job explaining everything that clayton was just talking about one of my observations is that jesus goes way back to the beginning even before moses uh, when talking about marriage, he's he's pointing out that God himself has created a world to work a certain way, that he created male and female, and that a, a man is to marry a woman, and that they're to be, to be united in marriage. And that is the standard, and everything else is a deviation from that. I think it's interesting that he actually kind of just stops there. So later, there's some nuances that are unpacked of like, is there are there conditions where divorce is permissible? But in his initial answer, he basically just says, no, there's an ideal. Two people become one flesh and you don't chop one flesh in half, right? Like that's, that's, there's nothing about that that would be the the thing that God would desire. And so he actually says, no, fix your eyes on the goal, um, not on all those exceptions. And he, he waits for them to ask about it. So there's, there's a certain amount of him saying, no, let me, let me like redirect your eyes to the right question, which is what you're aiming at rather than what you're permitted to do. And then even when you, you he kind of lays out that uh, what was permitted of uh, the disciples, if this is the situation, it is better not to marry. Like, usually they're asking a question like, well, it, you know, is it is it better than not to marry? But they're just saying, it is better not to wear marry. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, wait hold on, hold, hold on. on. <laughs> if I marry a woman, you're telling me that I'm supposed to be married to her for my entire life. Not having sex with any other women. That's it. Unless she cheats on me first, and then I'm free. And Jesus is like, yeah, not everyone can accept that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is this is unfair. Like this is un- unworkable. Like which which tells you that in their psyche, yes, they were living in a 
in a world, in a culture that was a little bit more loose with marriage, more reasons, more justifiable reasons to to break up a marriage. Yeah, at least at least for the the men to be able to do that. And it's interesting if you if you look at verse eight, uh, Jesus says the reason Moses permitted this, like that there there was an exception, all is because your hearts were hard. That there there was something about the human condition, given sin. That made it so that there needed to be some sort of release valve of things when they were breaking down. So there, there's some mercy to that. But the disciples are expressing in some way a certain amount of saying, this, this seems too hard for us. This seems too difficult. Like this is a constraint that presses against my, my sinful desires, and I don't know if I, I can handle that, you know? Um, so there's, there's, there's something in there that's even about their own hardness of heart. Yeah, because it's obvious nobody gets married to get divorced. Like on your wedding day, you're not thinking, I'm doing this so that I can get divorced. If you get divorced, it means something at some point went wrong along the way. I, I do think, I, I also want to give the kind of other side of the disciples' answer. So they are expressing in some ways like uh, a, a fleshly reaction, right? Like, uh, oh, if, that, if it's got to be that strict, I don't know who, who can do that. But they're also uh, thinking through some things that, as we know in other parts of Scripture, is actually a true thing. So... Um, in other places, um, and even Jesus's kind of final statement that's kind of confusing about the eunuchs, um, we know that Paul and Jesus both say singleness is preferable for certain reasons to marriage. Now, that doesn't denigrate marriage, uh, but it says maybe unexpectedly in a culture where marriage was like pervasively normal. We've got we've got lots of people who are single in our culture, but in that culture, that would have been very anomalous. So Jesus, this single man says, actually, it is actually better. And Paul says, I don't have a wife. It is actually better. Um, but it's but that's also a challenging calling that, that Jesus acknowledges there. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. I love you, Deanne. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, that was perfect. <laughs> uh, he told us he told us the comma tip was gonna be a little different this time, and I was not prepared for that. Wow. There we go. That was fantastic. Good job. Good Should job we talk there. about the eunuchs? Yes. I don't, I don't, there's not a good segue from that to you the eunuchs, but we should talk about it. Someone should talk about Yeah, eunuchs. okay. Eunuchs who were born that way, impotent men. Eunuchs who were been made eunuchs by others' castration. And eunuchs who choose to live like eunuchs. It's people that choose celibacy or choose singleness for the sake of the kingdom. They don't want the distraction and the obligations of being married. They just want to be singularly focused on serving God. And so they choose to live a celibate life. Yeah. And in, in that culture, eunuchs, um, that there was some like sense to this. So it like, there's a lot to unpack in there. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting about it. But the, the basic idea was that the people who are made eunuchs were, were essentially, uh, giving themselves to, well, or being taken <laughs> to uh, a cause to serve a King, right? So like a King would say, I want this person to have a lot of power and responsibility, but I don't want them to be able to amass a bunch of wealth and power and pass it on to their children. So I'll make it so they can't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there are people that were kind of forced into that or sometimes even opted into that for political power. Um, but Jesus is using that as a parallel to say, there are some people who will say, not literally, I will become a eunuch, but I will choose the life where I say, my, my hope for what I'm going to pass on to the future is not in this family that I'm going to make. It's in the fact that I'm serving a king, that I'm, I'm going to say this kingdom is more important than my personal legacy of whatever, you know, children or grandchildren I'm going to have. Uh, I'm going to say this is this is my singular focus. Um, and so that's a unique thing 
in terms of the like kind of history of the world for Jesus to say, here's an option for you. You might say your sole, sole uh, focus here is my kingdom and the hope that it brings in the future. Which now with that backdrop helps you understand Catholic priests or any denominational priests who have to take a vow of celibacy to serve in that role or nuns who take a vow of celibacy. We can, we can argue all day about whether or not that's a good idea and what it has caused, but it does make some sense because even the, the apostle Paul, when he says, listen, if you get married now, all of a sudden your loyalties are divided. You have to worry about the concerns of your wife and take care of her. You have to worry about the concerns of your kids and take care of them. And also you have the concerns of the kingdom of God. But if you don't get married, you just get to focus on the kingdom of God. I think the uh, it's interesting to hear in our culture because there there are kind of um, it gets it's more confused now. So the reaction of the disciples were like, "Well, maybe it's better to not get married." Is actually a, a, like a common thing that people will say now, but they usually won't say it um, because of uh, like some religious ideal, right? Like they're they're saying. Uh, this is this is messy. It might end up in a you know a, a breakup. It, you know I, I'll kind of lose something in this, and so I'm not sure I believe in that institution anymore. Or I'm committed to pursuing something, a career or some ambition, and so they'll say, you know, what? I'm not I'm not going to pursue that. Whereas they were they were in a culture where it was like it would be radical for you to say that. Um, in our culture, it's actually well, it's the majority of people, uh, adults, are not married. So there's like a there's like an interesting like flip side of that. We've got some people in our culture who say, "I wish I was married," and I feel like it's a second rate thing. And other people who say, "I'm deferring marriage, but it's not for the kingdom of God." And so Jesus is still giving a radical option of saying, "No, this is what it's for. It's to pursue me with an, uh, an a greater devotion than you would have had otherwise." Okay, here's another observation, and we often say sometimes good questions are good observations. And so question number one is, adultery is the only possible reason for a divorce? Really? There's no other possible reasons, legitimate reasons to divorce. And second, if if you marry someone who illegitimately divorced, you're committing adultery? Really? Those are my two questions. <laughs> Just throwing those out there. Go ahead, Glenn. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right. Let me answer the first one um, because this this one uh, very clearly in the Bible, uh, we know of an additional exception. So Jesus gives this exception here of sexual immorality. Uh, so if your spouse cheats on you, you have permission. You're not required to, but you have permission to get divorced. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 uh, talks about the, the circumstance where uh, a spouse is abandoned by the other spouse. Um, and so it's a situation in that particular case where it's uh, an unbelieving spouse says, I don't want to be married to you because you're a Christian now, um, and they leave. But the, the principle overall is that if the other person says, I'm out, you have not committed a sin by divorcing them. Like you haven't somehow done something illegitimate. You are not free. Um, and so there, there's that exception of- uh, You are now free. You are not free. Well- <laughs> Sorry. That's a it's funny a, way to say that. Meaning, meaning we, we're tracking with you, Clayton. We, there isn't a restriction on you in terms of you know what, what you can do next, um, and so that principle of abandonment um, gets applied beyond just the particular we are of different faiths or whatever. Um, but anytime someone either um, physically abandons someone or in some ways even internal to the home or the relationship does things like abuse, where there is uh, essentially a, a complete abandonment of the commitment of the covenant. 
there are there are those spaces where we say uh, there is room for a biblically permitted divorce. Uh, as tragic as it is, those are those are uh, ways that uh, the Bible gives us space to do that. All right. With regard to the second question, which is about remarriage, the question of like, okay, so if I get divorced for a reason that's not permitted by the Bible, does that mean I can never get remarried? And the challenging answer is. No, I, you, you can't get remarried. Um, there isn't really a, a, a space within what Jesus is saying to say if it was illegitimate that you could get remarried. Now, the question comes up. Lots of people have been divorced for reasons that are not okay, um, but then they do get remarried. And so the question is like, so should I, you know, leave my new spouse? Like, is this a marriage I shouldn't be in? And the answer to that question is no, you should stick with that person, okay? Like, yeah, and are you commit? Are you continuing to commit adultery by staying married to that person yes. if your first marriage was not dissolved? Like, am I living perpetually in adultery? The the answer is no, okay. So you like you you shouldn't have done that, but now that you have, keep the promises that you have made and 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 do what's right in that situation. So um, that that would be the place where we say don't don't sweat it, don't feel like you have to perpetually confess that you're in in sin or something like that. Just keep that that covenant that you're now in. Sometimes it's helpful for me to remove myself from our American culture and think about theological topics in other cultures because the Bible applies, God's word applies in, for every people group in every culture. So in, in some nations, polygamy is okay. So what happens if you are a man who has four wives and then you come to faith in Jesus and you start reading the scriptures and you realize that God's ideal from the beginning of creation was one man and one woman married. Well, are you supposed to now send away three of your wives? Right? And to Clayton's point, you don't you don't undo a wrong by doing another wrong. So you end up in these complicated, messy situations that are very hard to untangle. I think what is very helpful for all for all of us is if you can just remember the ideal instead of trying to navigate all of the extreme exceptions to the ideal. God created a world and he and he knows how the world works best and he created men and women to marry and to be in a lifelong marriage together. And so the ideal choice is either you live a celibate life as a single person or you get married to one other human, and you stay married to them for life. This is the way that God created the world to work. It's the ideal. Now, do we mess with that ideal all the time? Yes, in a thousand different ways. But what, when you when you read the teaching of Jesus and you can you can think about the ideal, I think what Jesus is putting back on the table is the ideal. Listen, you guys have all of these exceptions, and you and you you want to have a thousand different reasons why divorce is okay. But instead of thinking about the thousand different reasons why divorce is okay, why don't you focus on the ideal of what marriage could be and what what it's been created for? Um, and so, yeah, we get into all kinds we get into all kinds of messes. I ran into this a few months ago with a couple who wanted me to officiate their wedding, and I had to navigate the mess of previous marriages and sexual relationships and what's going on now. And yes, it gets very complicated. But that's why repentance is a beautiful thing. For for the person that gets to a place where you realize, oh, gosh, I think I screwed this up. Or you didn't know better at the beginning because you didn't know Jesus. You didn't 
know that the Bible was the Word of God and that God's actually speaking into our lives today. And so you come to a realization like, oh man, there's so many things that when I look back now, I could have and should have done better. And that's why repentance is beautiful, because when we acknowledge it and confess and repent, then there is cleansing and forgiveness. All right, let's go on to the M in comma. Let's talk about message. What do you guys get out of this passage? Uh, So my message comes from the end of verse 5. Jesus says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Uh, And so it's this idea that Jesus supports God's superior plan. Yeah, my message is marriage is a big deal because it's part of God's design. My message is there are two celebrated statuses in Jesus's kingdom, faithfully married and faithfully single, and both are celebrated. Both are good. All right. I'm actually going to skip meditation and save it for the end because... Is he allowed to do this, Nikki? You're the host. I think so. I I know it it doesn't spell a good word. We move the M around. We move the M around. I don't know if we've really done the end. I'd have to go consult. Say this with a bit of a judicial tone, okay? (laughs) I will allow it. I will allow it. Okay, (laughs) thank you. I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if Jim ever did it. Like the guy, the guy who made it up. Like, does does he ever do that? (laughs) We're not doing doing the comma method today. We're doing the comam. Comam. Comam method. All right. Um, So let's, let's talk about uh, A, which is application. What do we do in response so what i was thinking about uh when i when i came up with that is yes we're talking about god's superior plan with regards to marriage but doesn't god have a superior plan just in general for all of our lives yes the answer is yes so if god has a superior plan and he does where in our lives are we settling for less or choosing to go our own way um when we should be choosing and and um and seeking after God's superior plan for our lives, regardless of what situation or circumstance we're in. My application is, I'm going to be faithful to my wife. That works. That works. <laughs> it's the right application. There you go. Uh, my application is this. Um, if there's two celebrated statuses, married and single, um, both of those are challenging for different reasons. And so we need to pray for each other's marriages and single lives. And so uh, this actually is why I put meditation at the end, because I want to say for 45 seconds or more, I want to give you a chance to pray for at least one marriage and one single person in your life that God would give them the strength to do it faithfully. One final application before we go, and it's this. If you are thinking about this and you're thinking, you know what? 
I really need to put some work in on my marriage, it, it, whether it's in a really rocky place or just a place where you say, I just need a tune-up. Uh, we have a program here that's part of our care night that we call Reengage, and it's really wonderful. It's a program where you work with your spouse, uh, go through a bunch of different exercises that help you build and strengthen different aspects of your marriage. It's starting up in September. You'll want to check that out. Uh, and if you're listening and you have been through a divorce, um, it's really messy and really hard on the other side of that, uh, and we know about that. So we've got a group called Divorce Care that's also part of our our care night uh, that's starting up in September. So you may want to check that out as well. All right, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week. 